Amen. You can be seated. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles this morning to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. First Thessalonians chapter 1, we're going to read verses 9 and 10. Verse 9 says, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for the Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. You and I, it says in verse Paul, Paul is commending this church in Thessalonica. He says it shows how you received us basically when we came and the effect that it had when we brought the gospel. He says you turn from idols to serve the living and true God. Okay, so they worshiped dead idols before. Now they worship the living and true God. Now that is the same for all of us. We, not, we may in our lifetimes have not bowed down. Maybe we did bow down to graven images or statues. But all of us at some point were estranged from God and in our sin and probably worshiped something other than the Lord. Obviously, maybe it was just ourself or success or love for self. We made something an idol. We have turned from that by the grace of God to serve the living and true God. It says, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. And I want to talk about this this morning that there is a wrath of God to come. Now, this sounds like, uh, you know, you think about when, it, when a, preacher, a preacher would love to just preach positive messages all the time. But, but that's not what we're called to do. We're, pre- we're called to preach the whole counsel of God. We're called to, uh, to preach everything that God has given us for his the edification of the body, for a lost man to hear. And so it'd be much easier to just, just preach a positive message. But the Lord has put this on my heart this morning. Sometimes we need to hear about it. We need to hear that there's a wrath to come. You and I have been delivered from it as believers. If anyone in here is born again, maybe you just, just, just recently got born again. But if you're born of the Spirit of God genuinely, then you and I have been delivered from the wrath to come. We have not and we will not receive the punishment that we deserve. We have not and will not receive uh, the, the judgment and wrath of God upon our lives because of our sin. That is the mercy of God. We're saved. We're forgiven. We're justified. We are already the recipients of eternal life. But we're also now in Christ. And being in Christ, that's what the Bible says. When we, we, we don't know all these things the moment we say, Lord, save me. And we give our lives to Christ. But this is what takes place. We are sealed in the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. We're actually placed in Christ. And where there's a refuge there and there's a shelter there and there's a shelter for, from sin. We're in his body. We're in Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit, born of his spirit. And being in Christ... We're new creatures, and being in Christ, we have been delivered from the wrath to come. Amen. The Bible says, for as in Adam all die, even so all in Christ shall all be made alive. There's the two camps, and there's only two camps, and there's not an in-between camp. There's all, eternally speaking and morally speaking and spiritually speaking, a man is in Adam, 
That's our natural race and heritage. And along with it is sin. And along with it is the consequences of sin, death, and hell, and separation from God. As in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. We have been delivered from that wrath. All that is outside of the Lord Jesus Christ is determined or destined for death and for wrath and for destruction. Sometimes, I say, I'll say it all the time, sometimes we zoom in and take a close look and we break down one word and, and, and we, we talk about it and we look at some little intricacies and spend, you know, two weeks on one verse of scripture. And sometimes we, we pull the telescope back out and we, we take a, a look from a long distance. And from a long distance, there is only, there's what is in Christ that has been delivered from the wrath to come. And there is what is outside of Christ and it is determined to, to the wrath of God. It is destined for the wrath of God. God is patient. He's, not lo- he's long-suffering, not willing that any perish. But all that is outside of Christ is appointed to and reserved unto judgment. All that is outside of Christ. I just want to read this. Some scriptures, we have a lot of scriptures we're going to look at today. and Some we're going to read a lot. But this I'm just going to give to you from 2 Peter for if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. So they're cast down, but there's also a judgment coming for all that is outside of Christ. He goes on to say, <clears throat> but if the heavens and earth, which are now, that's this, we're on the same earth Peter was on, okay? The heavens and earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. There is a wrath to come. We, we see it all through the scriptures. And the only way to be spared from that wrath is to put our faith in Jesus Christ. All that is outside of Christ is destined for that. I don't care what, what religion or flavor of religion or life or view of, of, uh, that a man may hold. All that is outside of Christ is destined for the wrath of God. And there's not a redo. It's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment, the Bible says. So there's a wrath to come. God has sent us all to wrath that is outside of his son. So what does this word wrath mean? It's not a word we use a whole lot. It means violent passion. It means vengeance. The Lord says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. It means anger, it means punishment, it means indignation. So there is a wrath to come. The Bible describes in the great white throne judgment. It's way future, it's at the end of the millennium, okay? And just so we know that what, what I believe the Bible teaches in good doctrine, we see the next event on God's timetable, next big event, if you're looking at a timeline, okay? We had the cross and the resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And we're in this church age, I guess you would say. What's the next big thing to happen? Well, the next big thing, and it's a very big thing, is the rapture of the church. Dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain should be caught up together with them in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Okay, and we're to comfort one another with those words. The next thing after that, or right on the heels of that, will be a literal seven-year tribulation period on this earth where God pours out wrath upon men, and he's, he's, the main purpose is the time of Jacob's trouble to turn the nation of Israel uh, 
to their Messiah that they rejected at his first coming and to bring judgment on the earth on all the wickedness and so forth and wicked systems. Then will come the second coming of the Lord, his return. It's not the rapture. It's the second coming of the Lord riding on a white horse, Revelation 19. The saints of God will be following him, riding with him, because we will have been raptured before that. And, and he will come to uh, defeat the Antichrist and all the armies that he has aligned against Jerusalem to destroy it. They're not going to destroy Jerusalem. The Lord's going to save Jerusalem, and he's going to save the believing. Uh, those that, that uh, they are going to look upon him whom they pierce, and the nation will be born in a day, and they're going to be saved. He will set up his kingdom, a literal 1,000-year reign on this earth. And at the end of that comes the great white throne judgment, okay? It's not like the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's not like the, uh, the rapture where we comfort one another. It, the great white throne judgment is only for people who died outside of Christ. They could have been saved, but they rejected the Lord. And this is just a description. I saw in Revelation 20, if you want to study it, and I saw a great white throne, and, and him that sat on it was the Lord sitting on his great white throne. It says, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was no, found no place for them. It's, this judgment is a fearful thing. This great white throne judgment is, is fearful. You would say it's scary. It's, it's not pleasant. It's not something that, we're, that a person would look forward to. But it's, only, it's for all those that die outside of faith in Jesus Christ. And nobody has to die outside of faith in Jesus Christ, but men will. And so it's, it's for lost men, this judgment and the wrath to come. That, that's a time where the, the best that I can gather it and understand it, the great white throne judgment, is not for believers. There won't be one saved person there. There will only be lost people there. It's for people, okay? And they would have already died probably, you know, before then, and they will be sort of raised up but they're not going to be raised up in a glorified body like we are, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. They're raised up to face their final sentencing where the Lord says, he reads out of the book of Lamb's Book of Life, and whoever's name's not found written there, that's the only criteria, okay, is going to be cast into the lake of fire where they'll spend eternity, and their torment <clears throat> is forever and ever and ever. So there's a wrath to come, and this wrath that is to come not just that one day, there, there are, I guess you say, outpourings in, of God's wrath that are to come upon the earth and upon lost men. But it's only for lost men. It's for unsaved people. It's all who could have been saved and yet rejected the Savior so that men are without excuse. Lost men who persist in their sin and die in their sin and rebellion and die in unbelief, they were, they're going to experience this wrath and there's not an escape from it. John the Baptist warned. He, when he saw the Pharisees come to his baptism, he said, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruit, meat for repentance. They could have repented, right? Some did. Some did, but most did not. And so this is an appointment that's coming that God is going to pour it out. So I said we're going to read a lot of scriptures. I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 6. I understand this is a sobering message and yet, it's going to be filled with hope, as you'll see. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 6. This is during the tribulation period, verse 12. And I beheld 
when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree that casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, this is what I want us to read. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens of the, and the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? So these, this is during the tribulation period. It's a very specific moment of, of God's wrath. But this is wrath that's poured out. It doesn't matter if they're rich or bond or free or mighty men or captains or kings. They, under, they know it's God. They know that they're not right with God, and they're asking to be hid rocks fall on us and crush us and kill us. We would rather that than face the wrath of the Lamb of God. Skip over to verse chapter 14, Revelation 14. Read with me in verse 9. And the third, third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast, that is the Antichrist who comes to power in the revelation, in the tribulation, I'm sorry, if any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. We as the redeemed of the Lord are delivered from that. We are spared from that. We just read as our opening scripture, we have turned from idols. Even if we didn't worship stone, graven images, we're turned from idols to serve the tr living and true God, to wait for a son from heaven who God raised from the dead and who has delivered us from the wrath to come. We are delivered from that. We are spared from that. We're not part of that. It's nothing to do with our lives at all. But why are we talking about it this morning? Why are we talking about it if it has nothing to do with this? Two things. We ought to be eternally and forever grateful and thankful. Sometimes it's almost like an evangelist or a preacher. I pray I'm never guilty of it can make it seem to a lost crowd or an individual that you're doing God a favor by coming to him. You know, he's just this weeping savior who's sitting in the corner all by himself, hoping somebody likes him and comes to him. I don't think that's the picture that's given. He does love us. He does weep over, I believe he weeps over men's souls. He saw it on the earth when he walked and he was moved with compassion. But he's not some forlorn, lonely, just wishing somebody would turn to him and give him a glance. He is almighty God, and he spares us from the wrath to come. And men, men need to hear about it. So why are we talking about this morning? Number one, we ought to be thankful beyond measure. Second of all, we ought to be able to, we should warn other men. 
It's not, well, have you considered giving your life to Jesus? Have you tried Jesus? And uh, we need to talk to people as God gives the opportunity and preach the gospel, okay, the whole counsel of God. Jesus said, watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all of those things which shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So the things that he's describing, this part of the wrath of God and end times judgments of the Lord. And he's saying there's a way to be counted worthy. Of course, he's speaking to his disciples there to escape all of that, all of it, and to stand before the Son of Man, like in a right standing before the Lord. And the only way is to put your faith and trust in Christ. It's not because I'm worthy, because I did a lot of good things for God. The way that we're counted worthy to escape all of these things is by the worthiness of another, the righteousness of Christ the Lamb. So this is why we're talking about this morning, that we would be thankful and that God would use us in the short time we're here to warn others. Now, here I think is our main, main passage for today. I want you to turn back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We started in chapter 1, and we're going to read 10 verses in 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, they, they're going to say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. The ones that are saying everything's okay. The ones right now that are sit outside of Christ and are just eating and drinking and being merry and say, God's not coming. There's no God. That's a bunch of fairy tales and so forth. It says, then, then uh, sudden destruction. It's a long time coming, but when it comes, it's going to come suddenly. Does that make sense? A long time coming because God's not wanting any perish. When it happens, it's going to happen quickly. It's, it's not going to linger, Okay. As a travail, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Well, who's to warn them to escape? We are. We are. Yes, we talk about the love of the Savior. We don't just preach hell, fire, and brimstone, but we have to include the judgment of the Lord that is to come. It has to be part of our warning them, okay? They shall not escape. Verse 4, but ye brethren, so now he's talking to Christians, two different camps, right? Two totally different camps, and that's the only two camps. There's not a middle camp. All we like sheep have gone astray, turned every man to his own way. That's this way. And then there's all that's in Christ, and that's it. There's not another camp. There's not another group of people that don't fit into either of those two. All men do, okay? But ye brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You're not. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the night, of the day. I'm sorry. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch. He's already talking to people that are brethren, that are Christians, that are not in the darkness, but in the light. And yet the admonition is still, don't be asleep. Okay? Stay awake. Stay alert. Understand what's going on and what's soon to come to pass. Be ready. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day, that's in Christ, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. 
For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain mercy, I'm sorry, to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Two different camps, right? There is a wrath of God to come. We have been, chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians, delivered from that wrath to come by our Lord and Savior. But the wrath is still to come. It is coming. And I want to talk about this. very important because they're, they're, they're over the years, I don't think it's anything new, but there's a, there's a blurring of the lines and a confusion about some end times things. And I'm not going to have a whole end times message this morning that would take more time than what we have here today. But it is important to see, you'll, you'll ask people, do you believe in the rapture? Well, you know, whatever. Oh, do you think, think there's one? Well, I'm not sure. Or when do you think it'll come? And then there's the mid-tribbers and the post-tribbers and the pre-tribbers and all these different things. And you know what? It's really not that complicated. If we would just take the word of God and throw out all of the, the camp that we follow, so to speak, theological camp that we follow and just go to the word of God. He'll give us understanding. And one of the scriptures, I, am, I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ will be raptured and caught up to be with the Lord in the clouds before the tribulation begins. Having said that, I want to explain why I believe that, at least one of the, one of the scriptures, and it's what we just read. For God hath not appointed us. This is key. You ought to highlight it in your Bible. He's obviously talking about end times things and end time judgment that they're not going to escape from. And he says, but we're children of the day. We're children of the light. We're children of God. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. He delivered us from the wrath to come. In Christ, he delivered us from the wrath to come. God hath not appointed us to wrath. What does that word appointment mean? It means to place in a position of, to set or to ordain or commit or purpose. God did not set us in a place of wrath. He set us in Christ. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. We are placed in Christ. That's not a place of wrath. That is a place of salvation and mercy and forgiveness and joy and life and hope and everything that comes from that. It's important to understand that. <clears throat> and here's where I think some of the confusion comes. I'm not ridiculing people that, that either don't understand this or, or something like that. But I'm going to tell you, there, I think one of the key places where people get off is they're misunderstanding the difference between the wrath of God and persecution. They're not the same things. I'll, I'll tell you, explain what I mean. The wrath of God is his direct indignation, vengeance. Okay, we read the definition. He has a vengeance, payback, judgment on perdition, upon the ungodly and perdition and ungodly men and so forth. It is, it is appointed for a certain people that stayed in their sin and shook their little puny fist at God and said, we will not. We will not bow before you. We will not come to you. We want the rocks and the mountains to fall on us and crush us before we repent and give our lives to Christ. They are appointed to wrath, okay, because all that is outside of Christ is, is determined for that. The wrath of God is his direct punishment poured out. Not just one time, but we know there's a, definitely an end times wrath that's coming. The persecution is something that we're told, blessed are ye, 
when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake, blessed are you. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Well, that's not the wrath of God. So what's the point? The point is that believers in Christ, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, without question, we're going to have to some degree persecution in our lives. That's not the wrath of God. That is simply the way he says, the world hated me, it's going to hate you. I've given you my word, and the world has hated you. Okay, despised and rejected Christ was, and for as he is, so are we in this world. And so we are persecuted. Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It doesn't say all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer wrath. It, would, it was almost pointless. You think, why would God appoint those that he said, come to me. And we came to the Lord genuinely, the little children, and we repented of our sins and gave our life to Christ. He says, now I'm going to pour out my wrath upon you. He's not going to do that. We're not appointed to wrath. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. Highlight it. We're not appointed to the wrath of God. And what we're talking about is there is a wrath to come, and it's not for the people of God. It's for others. Will we suffer persecution? Yes. To some degree or the other. You may get passed over for a promotion because you're not following the politically correct agenda at the university. Okay, does it happen? Absolutely it happens. No question that it happens. That's persecution. If you're in China, you're thrown in prison. If you're in uh, Ivory Coast or Nigeria, you have your churches bound, burned down and your arms hacked off with machetes. Does it happen? Absolutely. Is that the wrath of God? No, it's not. That's the persecution that we endure for a short time on this short time that we're here on this earth. It was important to make that distinction because some people say, well, why, why do you think Christians don't have to go to the tribulation? You think we are immune from, from persecution? No, I don't think we're immune from persecution. There will be tribulation martyrs that are killed during the tribulation period. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimonies, and they loved not their lives unto death. But that's not the wrath of God, is it? They're going to be comforted. God's not going to pour out his indignation and vengeance upon those that are standing for him. He's going to bring them, they might be killed, and then he takes them to be with him. And there's comfort. And they're comforted by the Lord. That's not the wrath of God. This wrath of God that's coming is serious. It's poured out with a holy anger. It's measured. It's meted out. And it's forever. It's forever and ever and ever. And we ought to warn people. We've been saved. We're being saved or preserved through this life, and we're going to be saved from the wrath to come. We were saved the day we gave our life to Christ. If we'd have died the next second, we'd have gone to heaven. He's also keeping us and preserving us and saving us through this life day by day. And we're going to be saved when we, there's a fullness or an end of our salvation that's complete. When we see him, we'll be like him for we'll see him as it is. We'll receive glorified bodies and all the temptations and everything of this life and all the heartaches and hardships will be behind us when he wipes away the tears from our eyes. That's not the wrath of God. That's the blessings of God. And yet we have a hard, we may very well have a hard time in this life because all that live godly in Christ Jesus are going to suffer persecution. Unto him who is able to keep you from falling. He's preserving us, right? 
and to present you faultless before, before his throne of glory with exceeding joy unto only wise God our Savior. That's Christ. He's able to keep us from that. We're being sheltered and will be sheltered from that wrath. We're being sheltered from the storm in Christ. In the hands of our Savior. Under his blood. Okay? In his bosom, so to speak, where we're sheltered and protected. We're sheltered from this punishment that is to come. It's not for us. The wrath of God is not for us. We're not appointed to it. We're appointed to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So what do we do now? Thank God we're delivered from that wrath. He's already delivered me from the wrath to come. It's not for me. But what do I do now? So back in 1 Thessalonians 1, what we read, we are to, to serve the living and true God, verse 10, and to wait for his son from heaven. We're to wait for his son from heaven. I think that's important, how we're to wait for the Lord. We're not to wait idly by. Somebody that's lost, they're just running from God. They don't want to think about it. They don't want to think about it. They've heard some of this stuff before. They're, they're, they're just hoping it goes away. It's not going away. Christ died for their sins. They can be saved. They're either going to be saved or they're not going to be saved, right? But a, lot, a saved person in Christ, we're, we're looking for that day when the Lord comes back. We're looking for these end time things. We're looking for the rapture or the day we see the Lord face to face. And we're not to wait idly by sitting on the shelf collecting dust doing nothing. We are to serve the Lord. Amen. The Bible says that we're to wait for the Son from heaven, but we're to love and serve him with our whole hearts. We're to walk uprightly before the Lord with our whole hearts. I think about Noah. Now, God promised, he said, the whole earth is filled with violence and is corrupted. As he came to Noah, but Noah, you, you found grace in my eyes. You have I seen righteous in this generation. There's only one. I want you to prepare an ark. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to destroy the whole earth. Every living creature is going to die. But I want you to, to do something. I want you to build this ark, and I'm going to preserve you and your family. So Noah didn't just wait idly by. Well, God promised he's going to flood the earth, and I'll be safe. I'm just going to lay low. He's going to lay low and not make a bunch of waves. For 120 years, he built the ark, and he was a preacher of righteousness. 120 years. So is he, the, the promise is out there. But he didn't just wait collecting dust. He waited and served God. What he was supposed to do is build the ark. And he was a preacher of righteousness. And we are to serve the Lord until he comes. Listen, the scoffers are going to scoff. And the mockers are going to mock. But the righteous and those washed in the blood of Christ, we're to wait. The scoffers are going to scoff. What are you talking about? The Bible, Peter says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. It's going to come in the last days scoffers. What's a scoffer? It's a mocker. What specifically is Peter talking about that they're going to scoff and, and mock and roll their eyes up and laugh and ridicule? What are they going to do that about? The coming of the Lord and all the judgments that come. And they're going to be saying, the scoffers, he says, where is the promise of his coming? I'm going to say word for word those words, okay? 
they're going to say to you, to the Christians, where is the promise of the Lord's coming? For from the beginning of creation, all things have continued as they were. That's not true, is it? He goes on to say this, they're willingly ignorant. They forgot about a little thing called the flood. It didn't continue as it's been since the beginning of creation. And there's another judgment coming, not with flood of water, but by fire. The Lord talks about in 2 Peter. So the, the, the scoffers are going to scoff and mock. But we're to wait and we're to wait patiently. Listen to this. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient, patient waiting for Christ. We're to wait for the Lord. and We're to patiently wait for the Lord. We're to wait joyfully. We're to wait uh, knowing that our God will come. We're not wishing and hoping, but we're knowing that the Lord is going to come. So we're not waiting idly by. We're serving the Lord with full confidence that the Lord is coming back. You know, the world in Noah's day, I've mentioned uh, Noah a couple of times, they were oblivious. They were totally oblivious, oblivious and careless to the fact that they were under the judgment of God. It didn't move them. Their hearts were hardened. They were loving their sin and enjoying life the way it was. And they were oblivious to it. There was this impending wrath that they could have been spared from, but they weren't. But Noah's mindset was totally different. Same judgment, same floods coming on the earth. And here's a whole world of corrupt people who Noah's doing his best to warn people and preaching for 120 years. But he's waiting in a different manner. They're just oblivious to it. Tomorrow's going to be just like today. Guess what? That day that the windows of heaven opened and the fountains of the deep broke, broke forth, and the, it rained for 40 days and night. It wasn't the same as the day before, was it? There is a judgment coming. God kept his promise, and he condemned the world, and he delivered Noah. We have been spared. How am I to live now? How am I to live now? Peter says in context, he says, seeing that all these things are going to be burned up, basically, what manner of persons ought you to be in all all, all holy conversation and godliness, hastening his coming and appearing. There's a way that God wants us to live. I'm going to bring this to a close. If the Lord wills, you know, people could mock and say, Christians have been talking about the coming of the Lord. You've been talking about a rapture where you're just going to disappear and they get a big kick out of that maybe, and roll their eyes and they scoff and mock and say, it's not going to, it's not going to be anything like that. It's going to be exactly like that. Yea, let God be true and every man a liar. His word is forever ever settled in heaven. He tells me that he's coming to redeem his own. And that would be like the completion of our salvation when we receive glorified bodies. If we die first and go to be with the Lord, and then we're raptured after we've died and been with the Lord, or if we're alive on this earth and remain when he comes and we're raptured, either way our future is settled and sealed. It's already been determined. So shall you ever be with the Lord. Not a blessing delivered from the wrath to come. Whether we live or die preceding the rapture, so shall you ever be with the Lord. We're going to be with him forever and ever. It's not the wrath of God that's, that we're appointed to. We've been delivered from that. But that we've been appointed to mercy and salvation and blessing and rewards that are coming and so forth. The joy of the Lord. 
So the mockers are going to mock, but the, the saints of God are to wait. I want to give an, an illustration I heard someone give. There was a train master at a train station, and this was his job. He was an old, experienced guy. He'd been there forever and ever at the train station. And at about 4 o'clock in the morning, he was just getting to work. There was a, a lady sitting sitting on the bench right in, fr- in front of the depot facing the train track and she had her suitcases she was all dressed and ready and had her makeup hair everything fixed and she had her bags in both hands it's four o'clock in the morning and he's just getting to work and he says lady you know the, the first train doesn't even arrive here till noon she goes i know i know and she, she's just sitting there waiting she was getting ready to go see her family that she hadn't seen in many years. And she was excited. The train, the train master, it was not very life moving to him. He was an old hand. He had been there for years and years when trains had seen him come and go. The point is that, that both people were waiting for the train. The train master had a job to do. And when the train got there, there were certain things he had to do. They were both waiting for the train, but the lady could hardly wait. There's a big difference. The lady could hardly wait. She was there early. She was packed. She was ready with an anticipation and a joy and an expectation. She was excited. She could hardly wait. And I kind of feel that that's how, I'm not always this way. I'll confess it to you, but that's how we should live as Christians, as as children of God, where we can hardly wait. I'm going to close with two scriptures. Just listen, if you would. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus says, and he gives the parable of the, the wedding and the ladies that were outside, and some had the oil in their lamps, and some weren't prepared and didn't have the oil in their lamps. Let your loins be girded and your lights burning, and ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord. That's how we're to wait. Let your loins be girded, that was, you know, in the, in the days that this was written, there, the, the, the type of garments that a, a man and would, a woman would wear, but a man would have more like a, a robe, right, that he wore. And if they were going to do physical labor or run or go on a long journey, they would gird it up, so to speak. They didn't get entangled in the bottom of their robe that went all the way down to their feet. They might t- take part of it and tuck it in their belts to where they're like ready for some work here. I can move better this way. He says, let your loins be girded and your lights burning and ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return, not if he will return, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. I just think that the picture is, you can take any, any illustration or parable too far, but the picture is to me, be ready. And it's always joy. It's going to be a wedding. It's something exciting. It's something that we look forward to. We're not like, oh, no, he's coming back. wonder what I'm going to have to go through. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To depart and be with Christ is far better, whether it's in a rapture or we die tomorrow. I mean, today, and the Lord calls us home. It's to absent to be body from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so we want to live in such a way that we're waiting that we're waiting with joy and expectation and hope. We're not appointed to the wrath of God.
the lost man is, is afraid. When that day comes, they're going to be afraid. There's no getting around it. They're, they're going to be afraid. Their heart's going to be struck with absolute terror. Terror. And they won't be able to escape it. It's going to be horrible for them. But for us that are saved, what are we saying? Like John, Maranatha, Lord, even so, Lord, come quickly. Come quickly. That's what we're What a different outlook. It's all because of Christ and our sins being forgiven. Indeed, you can come at this time, but we've been washed in his blood and we're not appointed to the wrath of God. Last verse, turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 5. Let's read verses 7 and 8. James 5, 7 and 8. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. I want you to stand with me if you would. The altars are open.